0: part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Danker. How's everybody doing? Happy Monday, the first day of February uh, into the second month of 2021. Uh, Just want to thank everyone who reached out to me over the past week of, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, if you follow the show on Twitter, I'm not going to get too much into it on here, but thank you for reaching out and I really appreciate it and all that fun stuff. Uh, We have a great, great episode tonight. We have former Lightning GM Jay Feaster on the show today. Uh, what an absolutely great interview. What a great guy. Uh, it was great talking with Jay about everything from, you know, the when he first started out in hockey all the way back in 1988 with the Hershey Bears, making it to the NHL with the Lightning, how he almost went to Colorado, all that fun stuff. But before we get into that interview... Just a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein bar ever. So go to builtbar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, you get 20% off your next order. And we'll talk about Built Bar a little bit later on. But yeah, great episode today. And just before we get into it, also I want to remind you to like and subscribe to this podcast. Download it. Uh, it is available wherever podcasts are available. So without further ado, here's my talk with former Lightning GM, Jay Feaster. Alrighty, welcome back to the Locked On Lightning podcast, your one-stop shop for all your news on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, We have a special guest on today's show, uh, probably the biggest guest we will have ever had thus far on the show. Super excited to have him on. Former GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning and current Executive Director of Community Hockey Development, Jay Feaster, on the show today. Jay, welcome to the show. How are you?
1: it's i'm doing great adam thanks very much
0: so uh, you know it's a very challenging time in the hockey world right now uh it's something that probably when you were with where you were a gm um you you never thought a million years would have happened with games being canceled at the drop of a hat uh it's very difficult you know i now just to start off how how is How difficult is it for any GM, not only just the GM of the, the Lightning, but how difficult is it for a GM to be handling these kind of search situations?
1: I think it's very difficult. You, uh, you hit the nail on the head when you said that it is just so difficult. And really, the, the toughest part is that you can't plan. I, I mean, I, I think that this year is actually harder than it was last season. Last season, we had 70 or 70-plus 70 games, and – by the time in March when the, the decision was made to pause the season. And then when the return to play came down, it was the return to play in the bubble. And we're, we're looking to do the, 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 the march toward the, the Stanley Cup final. But, but now, again, there was that question of when are we going to start? What is it going to look like? We, we've seen how the divisions have been realigned. And, and we're not playing in bubbles. So we do have the travel. We do have players testing positive coaches as well. and and now as you point out, games are being postponed and, and so you look at a team like the Lightning, they play uh, three or four games and then their next opponent, they play two games, their next opponent Dallas. they they were hit hard by it with 17 players and coaches testing positive. So now you lose a week's worth of games. Uh, even this week, the, the team played two more games in Columbus. they were supposed to go straight to Carolina. And instead, Carolina has an outbreak, closes the facility, so they lose the Tuesday game, but they end up playing last night. I I think it's real tough. And I think that the teams that will be successful are the ones that can just park that and compartmentalize it and not let it affect them mentally and say, "Okay, we have more practice days this week because games are canceled. Let's use it to our advantage.
0: Yeah, and we, we saw just this past week that a GM had to step behind the the coaching uh, and do doing some coaching, and and I, I bet you were interested to see how that would have gone down. How would have you <laughs> have handled that if you get a call saying, hey, Jay, uh, we need you to coach tonight. The, <laughs> we would have no coaching staff.
1: Well, I, I would have relied on my uh, the leadership within the team. <laughs> I, I promise you that. I actually had an opportunity to go behind the bench way back in my days in Hershey, when when Bob Hartley was our head coach and and uh, I coached. I worked the bench. I changed the D uh, game in Kentucky, who was going to be our first round playoff opponent. And so uh, Bob Hartley wanted to watch the game that night and pre-scout it for the playoffs. I worked with Bob McGill and uh, Big Daddy. He changed the forwards, and I changed the D. And, my head was spinning, so uh, I can't even imagine doing it at the NHL level.
0: And, and that's actually a, a perfect segue into kind of starting how you started this whole NHL journey of yours. I, I mean, really, I mean, a lot of Lightning fans know the story. They know how you, you kind of got into the hockey world, but still going back and reexamining it uh, in preparation of for our conversation is still, it's, it's mind-blowing. You, so you, you basically are a lawyer at this point back in 1988 and you get assigned to the Hershey Entertainment Resorts Company account and you, you frequently cross paths with the Hershey Bears. Now, b- growing up, were you always a hockey fan or was this something that you kind of grew uh, to, to become an avid follower over time? Uh, with no, your... I was
1: always a fan. I, oh, okay. I was always a fan when I was a kid, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 11 years old. I I used back then, uh, you know, there was the the game of the week. It was, I believe on NBC and the Boston Bruins used to be featured in those games quite regularly talking about, you know, 1970, 71, Mm. 72. I was a big Bruins fan. I I loved Bobby Orr. Uh, I used to, I used to sit there and watch the games and I would write him letters and ask him (laughs) for autographs. And uh, I loved the Bruins. I, I really did. So I've always been a fan When I was in law school, I went to law school at Georgetown University Law Center in Washington, D.C. I actually, for the three years that I was there at uh, Georgetown, I I had a 10-game plan for the Washington Capitals at the old Cap Center Mm -hmm. and and used to go to the games there. So I've always been a fan and and certainly had always known about the Hershey Bears, uh, you know, growing up in central Pennsylvania would get to the odd game, you know, maybe once a year sort of thing. But uh, it, it was, it was really special when, when I got that opportunity to, to go inside and, and work with that organization.
0: And, and growing up a, a, a Bruins fan, I'm sure you're at sometimes a little bit torn about this, maybe this little division rivalry that Tampa and Boston has. I, I mean, last year it, the way unfortunately, the circumstances surrounding the postponement were very unfortunate, but it couldn't have happened at a better time for the lightning, considering they they had some guys down. They weren't playing well. But boy, did they end the season on a high note with that the, that fireworks game in Boston where I think there was a fight probably every two minutes. Um, and but you have to respect Boston. They've always been a great franchise, and they, they yeah, they... I, I
1: sure do. And you know what's interesting too, because cam Neely, who who is the president of the Bruins, I was always a Cam Neely fan. Mm-hmm. And, and as it turns out, we, we have a, a mutual friend in, in uh, Max Offenberger. Yeah. And, and Max was our team psychologist in, in Tampa when we won in 04. I was introduced to Max through John Tortorella, mm-hmm. who had worked with him previously. But then when I went to Calgary as, as GM, Max was now working full-time with the Bruins. And, and I actually, I wanted to take him to Calgary. I wanted to use him there. Yeah. And, and I talked to Cam and I explained it and Cam knew the relationship we had. And he said, look, we're in, we're in totally different, you know, you're in the West, we're in the East. The only time we're going to meet is in the Stanley cup finals. And if we're fortunate <laughs> enough for that to happen, Max is ours. He's going to be a Bruin. And I said, I'll tell you what, if, if that happens, I'll, I'll let Max go. We, I understand. <laughs> so I, I have always been a Bruins fan and I do, I respect that organization a, a great deal.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially one as storied as Boston. I mean, they've obviously original six. They have a long laundry list of players who are just on on the. I wouldn't even call it the Mount Rushmore of hockey. I, I just think you have to get a shelf at this point. <laughs> uh, so two years later, after you, you start this account with Hershey, uh, your Hiders GM, you were there for eight years. You, you won the Calder Cup. You were a- AHL Executive of the Year in '97. Uh, what was that whole process like? Uh, obviously, you you know you were hired um, as to have some sort of a role with the with the organization to begin with, uh, and then you find yourself uh, pretty much in the highest position you could have uh, in the AHL world. Uh, what what was that like for you?
1: It it was incredible because you're you're right. I went in house with Hershey Entertainment and Resort Company, Herco, as it was called. And, and when I went in, I went in as the assistant to the president and, and I had the responsibility for what we call our commercial group. They were basically businesses that serviced not only our internal operations, the hotel Hershey, the Hershey lodge, Hershey park, you know, all those things, but, but also they, they were open to the public. They, they had outside retail components to them. I, I did that for a year. And, and after that year, I had the, uh, the president phoned me and brought me into his office. And he said, we're we're making some changes. Frank Mathers, who is a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame in the Builders category, hmm. uh, you know, Frank is stepping down as the president and GM of the Bears. We want you to take over the Bears. And uh, we also want you to run the arena and the stadium. 7,256-seat Hershey Park Arena and a 16,000-seat open-air stadium, Hershey Park Stadium. And, and needless to say, it didn't take, uh, you know, a half a second for me to say, I'm in. I, that sounds great. And and at that time, our relationship, our affiliate, our NHL affiliate, was the Philadelphia Flyers. Mm-hmm. And the contract that the uh, Bears had at that time, it called for the Flyers to put in the entire team. They, they put in all the players. They provided the coach. The only thing that we provided in terms of on the hockey side was the, the head medical trainer. That, right. that was really it. Otherwise the, you know, the personnel were provided by the, the flyers. And a couple of years into that is when, uh, Russ Farwell was the GM at that time. And, and when Russ left and they brought back Bobby Clark, mm-hmm. Clarky phoned me and he said, we don't have 18 or 20 prospects that are going to play in the national hockey league. And, and so here's, here's the deal you can either go sign half the roster yourself and you pay for them in Hershey, or we can go find another NHL team to partner with us. We'll go dual affiliate, but you, you decide we're not going to put 20 guys in there. Yeah. And, and so we said, well, all right, let's, we tried the dual affiliate before the organization had and so we don't like that. So that's when we were going to start signing our own players. And we, we did start down that road. And that's when I was out scouting with Bill Barber and, you know, trying to identify American hockey league players. And it wasn't long after that, that Clarkie said, Hey, by the way, we're building a new building and uh, you know, we're going to put our own, we're going to buy a franchise in the American hockey league and play out of the old spectrum. <laughs> so things changed very, very quickly in yeah. terms of, you know, our relationship with the flyers. But, but that is how I started. And I, I talk about the guy who was the president. he, he was the chairman and CEO. His name was J Bruce McKinney. And, and I give him a lot of credit because yeah. here's this storied franchise that, that was truly, uh, you know, it's like the green Bay Packers, if you will, of, of the American hockey league yeah. and what it meant to the community and the region. And for him to tap somebody who never played the game, who, who didn't have that hockey background, yeah. But for him to name me general manager, even though at that time the GM in the American League was pretty much focused on running the business, still pretty amazing. And, and and as you know, I mean, it led from Hershey to Tampa, and here we are. Take a moment in the episode just to take a pause and just to talk about one of our
0: sponsors on today's show, and that is BetOnline.ag. The Super Bowl is right around the corner. It's this week. So why are, you, why are you staying on the sidelines and not putting money on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, to win the Super Bowl, the second one in their franchise? I think the, I think they got a good chance of pulling it off. I, I think this is the hottest, the best they've looked all year. Uh, they're playing at home. So what more could you ask for in the Super Bowl for your team? So go to betonline.ag, create an account, use that promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus uh, when you create that account and also throw some money on those NHL games. Come on. Why not? Lightning are playing. Yeah, they're all right right now. They're trying to put it together. Still, it's still very early on in the season. So go ahead. Throw some money on the lightning. Throw some money on some futures. Vesna for Vasilevsky. Norris for Hedman uh and and why not you're playing with house money at that point when you get that 50 percent welcome bonus and also go over there social media at bet underscore ag to take advantage of all the best bonuses in the business remember sign up for that free account use that promo code locked on and you'll get your free bonus with bet yeah and and that's kind of the trend that you see going on a lot today across all sports you see people being brought in that don't necessarily have these extensive backgrounds within the sport, but they do bring something to the table to sort of, I guess, shake things up, uh, which some franchises need here and there. Uh, and then following all this, and, and even with Hershey, I mean, they still have a huge impact on the sport today in the AHL. I mean, any hockey fan knows who, who has social media, the the yearly teddy bear toss, uh, yes. which, which is great. Uh, for a great cause, of course. And, and so then a couple of years later, you get a phone call in 1998 uh, from Jacques Demiers offering an assistant GM job. What, what, was, did, did this come out yeah, yeah. as a surprise or was there any buildup to this? Or? Yeah,
1: well, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because as I was talking about, Bob Hartley was our head coach. And right. and we won with Bob as the head coach. We, we won the Calder Cup in uh, the 96-97 season. and And by that next season... They're making a change in Colorado. By that time, Colorado's our affiliate, not the Flyers Report. Yeah. And and so they're making a change in Colorado. Well, Bob moves on to become the the head coach of the Colorado Avalanche and ultimately wins the Stanley Cup with the Avs. Um, we we were fortunate enough to have Mike Felino yeah. came in as the as the head coach. And I had said to Bob, Bob and I had a great relationship. And mm-hmm. and when he left, I told him, I said, I would love to be in the National Hockey League someday. Yeah. I said, if I could get in an AGM role where I'm doing contracts and everything, utilize my legal background, I, I sure would love it. And and he told me, he said, I will talk to Pierre, Pierre Lacroix. Mm-hmm. And, and he did. And what happened was that if you go back, uh, the start of the 98-99 season, Art Williams bought the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. And so now Art is the owner of the lightning. He comes in, he told everyone, Phil Esposito was the GM. Phil's brother, Tony Esposito was the assistant GM and and Jacques was the head coach Jacques Demers. He told everyone, you all have a year. Everybody has a year. I'm going to evaluate, see how things go. And, and so everybody's feeling good. The team actually had training camp that year in Austria. They went to Austria for training camp. They came back from Austria. And upon returning to Tampa, uh, Art Williams fired Phil and Tony and named Jacques, the general manager, as well as the head coach. And of course Jacques, you go back and look at his background, Detroit Red Wings, yeah. uh, you know, the Montreal Canadians. And, and so Jacques started reaching out to his old contacts and asking, would you be interested in being my assistant GM in Tampa? And at that time, the franchise was not in the best of shape in a lot of ways. And, and so all of his buddies were turning them down. And, and so he called Pierre Lacroix. And, and he said to Pierre, if, if you were to lose your assistant GM, who was Francois Jaguer at the yeah. time, he said, if you were to lose Francois, what would you do? And, and uh, God bless him. He, may he rest in peace. Pierre Lacroix, great, great man. He uh, he said I would go to Hershey, I would hire Jay Feaster, and I won't even give you another name. <laughs> and and so he called me, Pierre called me, and he said, uh, "What what are you doing?" Where, where I said, "Well, I'm leaving in a bus shortly with our outdoor soccer team that we own at the time." Yeah, uh, the Hershey Wildcats, uh, the old A League, and and I said I'm going to the game, and then we I'm going to a, you know, we, then the Bears are coming, and and he said don't go. He said, you're going to get a phone call from Jacques Demers. Well, I was already committed. I I couldn't just bail on the trip at that point. So we are literally on a bus and we're heading to Rochester and I get the phone call from Jacques and and Jacques says, why are you not in the National Hockey League? And I said, because nobody ever gave me the chance, Jacques. (laughs) And he said, I want to interview you. I want you to come in. And I literally, I asked the bus driver to pull the bus over on the side of the road. I, I made up an excuse about a problem at home. I had, you know, I have to stay back. I called my wife. I said, I'm outside this, whatever it was. And I said, can you come pick me up? And, and literally flew in the next day. I, I met with a cast of dozens and coming out of that meeting at the end of that meeting, it narrowed down to the team president, Billy McGee and Jacques. And they offered me a job as the assistant GM So I I flew back to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania in our home, uh, you know, outside of Hershey and told my wife, well, we're, we're moving to Tampa. I'm
0: I'm sure she was relieved. At least, you know, the weather would be a lot warmer than what, you know, (laughs) especially, especially if, you know, if you did get that call to go to Colorado, I think uh, you would definitely choose (laughs) to go to Tampa as well. So yeah, you're, you're, you, you get, this wild i mean that's probably one of the most wild phone call conversation stories i've ever heard about getting a, a job so moving on to 2002 you get promoted to gm um and then you the the lightning uh, string up two uh consecutive division titles and and a stanley cup now let's obviously one of the stories i, I would be remiss and lightning fans would kill me if they didn't as a, what was your relationship with Tortorella like? Uh, because I mean, just this past week, there there was some drama out there in Columbus uh, with him and a player. I mean, it seems like wherever Torts is, there's always some sort of controversy. But that comes with, uh, you know, the good and the bad. So, what what was it like between you and Torts? I'm sure there were some times in which you made moves that he wasn't exactly a fan of.
1: Yeah, you know what? I love Torts, and and we had a had a great relationship, and. I I respect him so much. I've always said about him that John was born without a political correctness gene. And, and, and you think about, it. I mean, we're talking now back, you know, 20 years ago that this guy, he, the whole idea of political correctness, he, he just does not, he he doesn't know what that (laughs) means. And, and there, there were, uh, there were lots of interesting times. I, I always, one of the things that John still talks about to this day is how he and I communicated. Yeah. Some GMs take that position that it's the coach's job to coach. I'll yeah. manage the team, you coach. I, I always wanted to know what John thought about things. I always wanted to know Craig Ramsey back then was our associate coach. Well, you know, Rammer has had an incredible career, was a great player. I, I wanted to know what he thought. I wanted to know what Jeffrey Sargoli coach thought. And, and I, I always said that I used to talk to Torts more often, in, in a day during the season yeah. and I did my wife for my kids I mean we we communicated on a regular basis but it, despite that John was gonna do things his way and and I can't tell you how many times he would do something and and the stuff would hit the fan <laughs> and and I would I would go into his office and I'd throw my hands up and I'd, I'd say torts what yeah and, and he'd look at me and, and he, he would look me right in the eye and he go, did I put you in a bad spot? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe a little, Taurus, maybe a little. But it it, uh, it it worked because there was that honesty. There was that trust. Uh, I used to have players that – players would come to see me and they'd, they'd sit and they'd hang their head and they'd shake their head and they'd say, he he hates me. He, he hates me. I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. He hates me. And I used to always hold up the stop sign and I'd say, wait a minute. Don't flatter yourself. He hates all of us equally. <laughs> Don't think you're special that he hates you. He yeah. he hates all of us, but equally. But he's just a great guy. He's a great motivator. Yeah. You know, so many of the things that he does, they're 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 calculated. He thinks about them. He he knows exactly what he's doing. And and candidly, what he does, he pushes players to get more out of themselves right. than they believe they can do. They They don't realize they have more to give. And and what's pretty cool now is all these years later, when we have reunions, we get together again as a group. It's just wonderful to sit and listen to those players who helped us win, who won a Stanley Cup for us, who helped us Mm -hmm. achieve that goal. It's so great to hear them talking about the fact that, boy, you know, I hated you back then. I love you now because I, <laughs> you know, I, I never achieved. I never, I never knew I could do. You, you look at a guy like uh, a Vinny Prasva who was not part of that cup team in 04, yeah. but played under torts. And, you know, I, I always remember Vinny's parting shot before I had traded him to Philadelphia was him on the jumbotron after having a particularly good game after torts had benched him for a couple and, and Vinny, you know, on the jumbotron in front of 20,000 people, I wanted to shove it up someone's butt. <laughs> and, and, and yet, you know, when the opportunity came to follow Torch to the Rangers, he was there. When it came to follow Torch to Columbus, yeah. he was there. And Vinny will tell you right now, as he's coaching now, that, you know, he, he talks to Torch all the time yeah. about coaching. And so it, it's, it's pretty cool to see the relationship those guys have now in retrospect
0: yeah and let's talk about that 4 season uh and and, and what kind of tra- what transpired afterwards uh, i mean you are a team going this season you're very talented you have a good cast of players you you, you got steve um you got martin saint louis you got dave andrechuk uh you got vinny le you got you got a good supporting cast behind them you got kabi bullen in net and and Really, you know, going into the playoffs and, and especially just with how the league, maybe other hockey bases kind of viewed Tampa to a certain extent, I feel like maybe this was out of left field for some people to see you guys not only go that far into the playoffs, but also take it to a very, very tough Calgary team. Um, I, re- I did a rewatch with my listeners about a couple of months ago. And you forget, especially in this day, age of hockey, how physically grueling those games were back in back in the early 2000s and so what what was it like for you just as a GM kind of not obviously not being behind the, the 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 bench but you know talking to torts obviously on a daily basis talking to players what was the what was the the mood around the team during that whole playoff run?
1: It was it was a real positive mood. I, I think the the big thing for us was that we we felt really good about the kind of goaltending that we had. I mean, we we had Hobby Bullen, uh we had Johnny Graham as his backup. We we were scuffling along a little bit in uh, the month of December of that season, oh three, oh four. three four. And and at one point, it, it, Torch and I had talked about it, and he he said, "I'm I'm gonna I, whoever wins keeps the net." And, and so he brought both goalies in, I was in that meeting with him and he told them, he said, we got to get going. He said, whoever wins gets the next game. Like you, you will keep the net until you lose the game. And that's how the other guy gets in. And he said, Nick, you're our, you're our veteran. You're the number one, you get first crack at it. And, and hobby Boulin was, you know, outstanding down the stretch there. The big, the big move that we made prior to the playoffs, we, we did it at the end of January, well ahead of the trade deadline, was bringing in Daryl Sador from mm-hmm. Columbus. That We we needed help in our blue line, and we knew it. And he was a veteran guy. He had won a cup before. We, we had such good leadership. We had Tim Taylor, and obviously Dave Anderchuk as our captain. And and then we had those young guys you talked about, Le Cavier, St. Louis, Brad Richards, uh, you know, even a guy like Ruslan Fedotenko, I always remember after we won it talking to Daryl Sador and saying, Sid, you were, you were the missing ingredient. You were the missing piece. And he said, well, I appreciate that. Thanks for the compliment. He said, but look, and we were actually at Emily arena, uh, following our Stanley cup parade at the time I was talking to him mm-hmm. and he motioned on the ice and he, and Brad and Vinny and, and, uh, Marty were, were nearby. He said, those guys are the ones that won the cup for you. He said, those are the play, you know, he said, yeah, it's nice. The veterans, but, and, and so we were, we were a very talented hockey team and it, it was a team that I thought we'd learned a lot of lessons the year before mm-hmm. we, we had won the first playoff round in franchise history the year before by knocking off Washington in the, in the first round. And, and, and then, you know, we played New Jersey and I thought we played them really well. I, I, the games were tight. They were close. We were in every one of them. But we get knocked out by Jersey and Jersey goes on to win the Stanley Cup yeah and and I think after we got eliminated, the guys recognized and said, man, you know look look at what they've gone through and look how we're we're playing with house money. If, if we just do what we're supposed to do if if we just focus on us, nobody expects us to be here and we can do some really incredible things and 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 ultimately we did. I always remember, Right before the the final against Calgary, uh, Torts brought the group together at our practice rink on the ice, and he said, "Well, you know, now that we're here, we might as well win this bleeping thing." <laughs> yeah, and and that was kind of the hey, what the heck, we're here, why not?
0: Take a moment to talk about one of our other sponsors on today's show, and that is Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, whether you're down in Tampa where the weather is so-so, you know, it's a lot better than where, it I am, where I am in New York where we're covered in snow up here, uh, why don't you if, you, if you're in the middle of a workout, why don't you get yourself a built Bar? They got 18 new, 18 amazing flavors, 6 new ones dropping out, let me tell you, the Apple Almond Crisp is really making a run for the Toffee Almond as the best flavor on Locked on Lightning, Bilt Bars are great for the health conscious person. You could lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. Uh, Bill, go to BuiltBar.com, Use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. That is l- promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. So that concludes uh, part one of my talk with former Lightning General Manager Jay Feaster. As you can tell, great great conversation we had uh, and we'll conclude it on tomorrow's episode. Yes, we, we have missed uh, over the past couple of days a couple of recaps. We'll get to those recaps I promise you of the last couple of games the Lightning did play in but yeah, this is a great interview and once again, go ahead and like and subscribe to this podcast and if you want to, if you really like this show go ahead to Apple uh, Podcast and give us a review 5 star rating, we humbly ask you. It really does a uh, a lot for the show going forward. And as well, just want a little other announcement. Uh, so February 17th is the one-year anniversary of this show. So what we'll be doing, and we'll be disclosing more details as we go along, but we'll be doing a, li- a little raffle uh, as a thank you to you, the listener, Uh, and one of you will be going home or actually will be sent if you do win uh, a prize that a little lightning memorabilia so keep an eye out and the best way to do that is go to our twitter page at LO underscore lightning or go to our instagram at locked underscore lightning and once we post the instructions for that uh, get get to it because you don't want to miss out on this so that's been it for today's episode of Locked On Lightning part of the Locked On Podcast Network I'm your host Adam Danker I'll talk to you in the next one